Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. Joe, this has been, this has been a rough week uh, for me and my life of Stetson Bennett. You know, uh, I, I love the story. You and I have talked about it. I think that uh, he could. there could be a movie called Stetson. They could be like Rudy was for us in our childhood. And it's going to be a better story because – you know, Rudy got on the field for one play while Stetson was the starting quarterback for two national championships. And Joe, he's he's made a series of like decisions lately that have been really puzzling. You know, first off, he has the, the little speech that he has after Georgia won the national championship at the parade that just came off kind of cocky and arrogant and just not very likable. And, you know, talking about how you doubted us, but we just destroyed everybody and he kept naming these scores about how bad they beat people. And it just wasn't it wasn't very humble and not something that, you know, really just came off very endearing for such a great story. That was kind of the first strike against him. And then he gets invited to the senior bowl. I don't think that he was, you know, one of the first people that was invited. We've had the senior bowl director on our show before, Jim Nagy, and I've talked to him about this. And he's very serious about the fact that he only wants to invite people to the senior bowl that he thinks are going to be draft picks. And I think he's actually set it up now where if you get an invite to the senior bowl, you're automatically going to get drafted. I think that's like an agreement that's out there now. Um, But he did invite Setson. He wasn't one of the first invites, but he invited Setson Bennett to it. And you would think that based on the way that, you know, Stetson Bennett ended the season, a lot of people suddenly saying, well, hey, maybe this guy is good enough to play in the NFL. Why wouldn't you want to come to the Senior Bowl and increase your draft stock? Because we've seen guys that had fourth-round grades going into it show off a lot and go up to the second round. One of them we're going to talk about in just a second, Jalen Hurts had a great Senior Bowl week. I mean – that he was the big draw. They sold out the game for everybody to see Jalen Hurts. Had great practice, and he got drafted in the second round. And I think a lot of people were scratching their heads about that, but the Eagles are laughing all the way to the bank now with Jalen Hurts being a second-round draft pick. And Stetson Bennett had the chance to go and wow against what is not a great you know room at the Senior Bowl right now. Uh, they have Max Duggan, uh, Jake Kaner, um, you know, not a you know, Hinton Hooker got invited to sit on the bench, but he's not there, you know, being able to make any waves of what he's able to do. And this would have been a great opportunity for Stetson Bennett to really increase his draft grade. But instead of coming to the senior bowl, he decides to go to Dallas, don't know what he's doing there, and he gets a DUI at six in the morning for loudly banging on a lot of people's doors. And I said DUI I mean public intoxication charge. And so Instead of being at an event where you can increase your draft stock, you get arrested for acting like a kid when he's 25 years old. At this point, he's a man. He's older than uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, who's starting in the Super Bowl. And, you know, he also would not have been, you know, there to have gotten in trouble had he been at the Senior Bowl. So that's another thing. And then finally, I think building off of your points, when you look at the scrutiny that NFL draft picks go under, you know, it is, from everything I understand, just so microscopic. And it's going to hurt his draft stock, I think, unless he can redeem himself and show the general managers, you know, that it's not a mistake to invest in him because they're going to have questions about this. Um, you know, you think about the speech, too, that you referenced. I mean, you you hear any uh, interview in a public setting from most NFL quarterbacks, you know, 
obviously you're going to hear some different reactions right after a game in the heat of the moment, but you hear press conferences, you know, they really want them to be professional and careful with their words. And so he's got to really make uh, some corrections if he's going to, to make it to the NFL. And I hate that because just like you, I, I was really rooting for him and, and loved the story. I mean, I was starting to kind of believe after the way I saw him, you know, just light it up against Ohio State in that second half and TCU in that championship game that maybe he could even be a guy that got drafted in the fourth round and could be, you know, the next kind of Brock Purdy. I've seen Brock Purdy as being someone that could really elevate the chances that Stetson had in this game. And he's just done so many things lately to put strikes against him. And, you know, you also got to think about, too, when he won the national championship the year before, he came on Good Morning America the next day, and he looked like he was drunk at that time or he was severely hungover and wasn't even, you know, wasn't even himself. And, you know, it it was kind of a joyful thing to get to see it once. You know, I, I get it. I mean, guys work so hard to have that opportunity. But then, you know, the second time here and he's getting arrested for a public intox when he should be doing something to further his career, it's really disappointing. Well, I mean, you know, even though it's just been a year and even though it's just been like less than a month since they won the national title, you know, he's no longer that college kid, you know, even at 25, like he's now under that scrutiny of a professional. Yeah, I mean, at 25 – we were taking the bar exam or just gotten done with it, you know, and, and gotten licensed as attorneys, you know, in 25, you could be through professional school at that point, you know, and this is, he was in, you know, he had had a long time to get to do the college thing and he did, he made the most of it, but this was, this was real money time and he had a chance to do something to further his professional career and get a chance when you're seeing, I mean, I was on the sidelines of the senior bowl practice yesterday. I saw all the scouts that are there. I saw every team you can imagine. I saw Jets. I saw Lions. I saw Packers. I saw people. I got to meet them from all over. And they were there watching all these players. And Max Duggan, who you beat by 58 points, he was out there throwing passes to to, to Jonathan Mingo and to uh, you know, Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. And he's out there making these throws. And meanwhile, you're all getting drunk in Dallas and getting arrested at 6 a.m. in the morning. How's that going to look for different people? Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough look, Dan. And I think that, you know, it's one of those things where Duggan, you know, he lost that game. He's highly motivated. And Bennett, you know, played tremendous. But now, you know, it's one of those things where he's got to dig deep and almost work even harder because it can be lonely at the top. You know, everybody's trying to get, you know, to the point where they can unseat you. You know, a lot of people, you know, are probably jealous of Stetson Bennett as a competitor. And so, there's a lot of reasons this this is the worst time possible for him to deviate from his uh, concentration. It is. And I mean, you know, it's it, it's a real sad part to his story. And I just hope that he can get it back together. And if I were him, I would call and be like, hey, is there anyone I can still come to the senior bowl? <laughs> like that hadn't happened yet, right? Like see if you can fill that last second void right now. Because I mean, he needs to do something to to make up for it, even if it's not going to the senior bowl, but working out at the senior bowl. Cause I think that's what Baker Mayfield did. He came and just worked out the whole week and didn't play in the game. I think that'd be a good thing. Cause he needs to get some goodwill up. Cause he's definitely, he's taken some hits lately. Yes. I mean, there's time. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There is time to make amends, but it's got to happen now. And then he also really doesn't have the luxury of a mulligan after this. 
No, he doesn't. I mean, he was someone that had, you know, very little, uh, very little capital to begin with, even with what he did. And at the zenith of his capital, he just started doing things to, you know, slowly take it a little bit away. And so I really hope that he can that he can go and he can make up whatever ground he lost. And I want him to have a successful career because I think it's just a great story. It really is. And I, I'm rooting for him. It just it made me sad what happened this week, to be honest. No, absolutely. I think that's uh, very, very well said. And I agree. Uh, but you know what does make me happy, though? And someone that's had an equally impressive journey is Jalen Hurts and what he's doing right now. Um, you, know, you and I just talked about it. He's probably not going to win the MVP. I think it's probably going to go to Patrick Mahomes. When you think about the fact that Mahomes played the entire season, we mentioned all of the you know the departures they had at wide receiver. He's got a very thin wide receiver room, not overly talented. Didn't have a great running game to help him out. And, of course, he had to play both playoff games while being pretty badly injured with a high ankle sprain. If we remember correctly, this is what took two out. That was what he had to come back in, and you know you could tell he wasn't himself at the end of the season. Um, this is what uh, what injured you know. I think there was another Alabama player that had the same injury. I think it may have been Mac Jones had this injury too, and it's one that it's tough to get over. And of course, you know he did what he's done the last couple of weeks have been heroic. But Jalen Hurts had to recover from an injury of his own. He's led what's been consistently the best team the entire season. And you think about his story. I mean, Stetson Bennett, of course, you know, is more of a long shot. Um, and going walk on, you know, consistently having people surpass him at Georgia and no one thinking he was good enough. But Jalen Hurts came in and he wasn't the starter on the first day. It was Blake Barnett against USC. Blake Barnett wasn't doing hot. Jalen Hurts comes in and they just boat race USC. He goes all the way to the national championship game his freshman year. And they lose to Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson did Deshaun Watson things and played out of his mind. And then the next season, you know, Alabama's offense isn't quite the best. They're doing pretty good. They barely squeak out a game against Mississippi State. And then, of course, they take on what I think is one of the best Auburn defenses I've ever seen in 2017 and one that was a a national championship-worthy defense, and they shut him down. I mean, Kevin Steele's defense in that game – made Jalen Hurts not look very good. And they miss out in the SEC Championship game. First half against Georgia, who, of course, won the SEC Championship, and they played the National Championship. Jalen Hurts gets completely shut down by the Bulldogs, and Saban makes one of the most bold and brilliant coaching moves we've ever seen in the National Championship by benching Jalen Hurts and putting two in. And, of course, then second and 26 happened, and Alabama beat Georgia for the National Championship. But instead of transferring, Jalen Hurts kept working. He improved his passing game. I think he he got another coach in the offseason. And, yeah, Tua was the starter for pretty much the entire season. But when Tua got injured again, Jalen Hurts came in, this time against Georgia in the SEC Championship, and he won the game when Georgia was, was winning. And he showed a lot. And so much so that when Alabama beat Oklahoma – uh, during the college football playoff game, Lincoln Riley went up and I think offered Jalen Hurts a scholarship right afterwards. And he did so much and he was so impressive that he's probably the most loved transfer quarterback that I've ever seen. Like Alabama fans love Jalen Hurts. They've got no like any kind of ill will against him for transferring um, because, you know, you think about it, he probably wasn't going to start over Mac Jones either. 
And then Jalen Hurts goes out that next season, is number two in the Heisman Trophy ballots, got the Lincoln Riley treatment, and you know, really has flourished. And, you know, like I said, comparing him against Stetson Bennett, Jalen Hurts was given the senior bowl opportunity, made the most of it, became the fan favorite, showed everybody how good he is, parlayed it to a second round draft pick, and now he's the starting quarterback in the NFL and is gonna be sitting there against Pat Mahomes and at the same table as him for a possible MVP award. And so, I mean, I, I just, you know, Stetson Bennett's impressive, but Jalen Hurts is impressive in a whole new level. And even as an Auburn fan, I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan, and I think I'm going to be cheering for him this weekend or next weekend. It's a remarkable story. I mean, you look at um, how far he's come, and I, you know, I never would have expected um, after the national championship game when Tua comes in, you know, I never would have expected Jalen Hurts to be eventually starting in a Super Bowl and playing at such a high level. And then I think about, you know, like you said, to his credit, the fact that he didn't give up when he didn't get a lot of playing time that junior year at Alabama, transfers to Oklahoma. And I'm not sure I've ever seen a quarterback improve more as a passer as he did at Oklahoma in going into the NFL. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I think there were times this year where, if I'm not mistaken, he flirted with maybe with like a 70% completion percentage. Like, it's, it's unbelievable compared to where he was um, early on in his college career. And he has this team just playing, you know, remarkably well, and they look poised to have a really good chance to, to win the whole thing. That's right. Uh, I mean, I think that they're the better team than the Chiefs right now, and if the Chiefs were to win that game, it's only because Patrick Mahomes is that much of a next-level talent. And that's, that's the only way that they're going to win because the Eagles definitely have everything, and they also have – a great quarterback in Jalen Hurts. That they really do. It's, it, it'll be an, an interesting game, and uh, you know we'll have you know time to, to talk more about it too. Uh, Joe, speaking of great transitions, uh, going from the SEC to the Big Twelve, that's where Jalen Hurts did. We had the SEC Big Twelve, uh, you know, showdown last weekend in basketball, the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, and it was a great showcase for the Big Twelve. I think they really kind of established. What we've been seeing the last couple of years, which they're kind of the new powerhouse in college basketball. And, you know, Kansas goes in and beats Kentucky when Kansas have lost three games in a row. Uh, Oklahoma State beat Ole Miss by 22 points. Uh, West Virginia upset Auburn. Bob Huggins bunch up in West Virginia did that. And then most uh, surprisingly, Alabama travels to Oklahoma and Porter Mosier's grew, who I think was 11 and nine going into that game. They just boat raced Alabama and beat them by 30 points. I couldn't believe what I was watching. This Alabama team who had been just destroying everybody they played got killed by Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a very surprising result. And I know that Alabama they kind of flipped the script and they dominated. I think it was Vanderbilt last night and they're still 57. Yeah, yeah, they're still undefeated in the SEC. But, you know, this was um, something where I think when you're evaluating their tournament resume, this is a game, you know, that will come up, you know, in the battle for the one versus two seed potentially, kind of based on how the rest of the season plays out. But it definitely, to me, speaks volumes with the depth of the Big 12 conference. The Big 12 won this challenge, I think, seven to three overall as a conference. And there's a chance they could get even as many as eight, possibly even flirt with nine teams to the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, this Big 12 league is very, very deep. I mean, you think about it, you have Kansas, the defending national champion. You have Baylor, who won the national championship two years ago. Still really good. Iowa State has been a team that has really been very consistent. Uh, you know, they, they've got one of the, the best players in America that keeps, like, you know, scoring a lot of points. Uh, Kansas State right now is, is going to be a number one seed uh, with uh, their great player, Tang. And, you know, TCU's got a top 15 basketball team. They're just kind of good, like, all across the board. And for you to see teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma, who are more in that middle of the lower tier, go out and beat teams like Auburn and Alabama, that just shows you how good this league is. Yes. I mean, it's it's just a league that's uh, very dominant. And, you know, the ACC kind of used to have that mantra, and rightfully so, and the Big East has had it, you know, at times, but – the Big 12 has really um, asserted themselves. And you can see teams like Texas Tech uh, four years ago be kind of um, maybe an average Big 12 team and then make it to the national championship game. That's right. I mean, I didn't even mention Texas, who is still a top 10 team, even though they had to fire Chris Beard over that uh, alleged instance of, uh, I think it was domestic violence that he got fired over, which was a sad story because, I mean, that guy was a huge up and riser in the college profession. I mean, he had taken Texas Tech to a national championship game. Texas paid him a boatload of money to get him come over there, and he had already turned around Texas and had him going really good. And then, of course, that happened. But seeing where this team is just shows you what Chris Beard had built, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, just he can flat out coach for sure, and it, it is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but Joe, even adding further to how great this Big 12 is, look at the way some of these top teams in the SEC responded after they got beat by these Big 12 teams. Alabama goes out and beats uh beats Vanderbilt, I think 101 to 44. And then Auburn tonight went out and beat Georgia, who beat them earlier in the season 79 to 54. So these are the responses these really good SEC teams had to getting beat by Big 12 teams. Yeah, we, we saw a lot of teams, uh, you know, bounce back. And, and, yeah, I mean, that really, to me, adds to the uh, impressiveness of those uh, Big 12 victories. That's right, Joe. Uh, and the last thing that we want to talk about today for this show is, you know, uh, National Signing Day. Today was National Signing Day. Why did, I, why did I mention it last? Because it's not last but not least. It's last and is least in this show. Because there's nothing to it. I mean, everybody signed in December now. You forget that February is even a thing. I think Auburn had one player that they signed today who had been committed for a couple years. And the only reason, Joe, that he signed today was because his school did not allow for players to graduate early. So he had no no excuse, but he had to sign on February instead of December. And it's just taking away everything. I mean, I used to love National Signing Day. It used to be something I'd be, like, excited about, checking my phone all day, like, what's the newest thing, listening to the radio. Oh, is this person going to sign yet? And now I don't even care that much about December because it's just thrown in with so many other things. Like, I think it's the same week as SEC Championship game or, like, maybe a week afterwards. And there's just so many things going on. They're getting ready for Christmas. This used to be something that was right there, on its own and it was its own holiday like football was done but this gave you something in february where you were excited about college football again for a minute and it's really just kind of ruined it it's ruined almost as bad as almost basketball is under Kermit davis who 
we haven't even really gotten to talk about a lot when we're talking about good basketball right now because that program's in the shambles. So National Signing Day and Ole Miss basketball and Carmen Davis on the same level. Yeah, and I'll say just a couple of things real quick about both of those topics. I think with National Signing Day, I could remember years past like you do, you know, it was like a recruiting season in itself, and it had that end date that culminated in National Signing Day. And I can remember for months in advance, if not years, depending on the the player involved in the recruitment, I would get to know the names of the players, you know, the high school guys that were coming up, you know, who were the, the top players of the, you know, high school class for the senior class. And I feel like now it's just anticlimactic. And I feel like, you know, especially with a program like Ole Miss, you just don't pay as much attention to it because you almost feel like they're going to fill all their needs through the transfer portal and the high school recruiting just does not have that same level of interest. And so I really wish we could go back to that, that previous model of national signing day. But speaking of Ole Miss with the men's basketball program, I mean, it, it is disappointing last night. I think a perfect example of the state of the program right now is they had a headliner game traditionally against Kentucky at eight o'clock local time on ESPN. And basically nobody knew anything about it. And it wasn't even like a really a lead story. And I think that that's just um, the unfortunate nature right now of uh, where uh, our men's basketball program is at Ole Miss. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, you and I, we, we don't like to like say people get should get fired, but Kermit Davis is really just the program is really stale. No one's caring. I mean, I remember I watched the Auburn Ole Miss game earlier this year, and Oxford was a place where Bruce Pearl had struggled in the past. And so maybe it was a game that you thought Ole Miss would have a chance in due to history, but the fans weren't into it. It was a very poor home atmosphere, and Auburn ended up winning when they weren't even playing their best game because you just didn't feel like there was a lot of energy there. And, I mean, I didn't even know about this this game against Kentucky last night because you're right, no one was talking about it. It wasn't anywhere, and that's a big deal when Kentucky comes to town, even this Kentucky team. And – you know, I just feel like the basketball is becoming such a big deal in the SEC, and so many schools are good now that, you know, Ole Miss is in a good recruiting area. Uh, you can go to Memphis and do a lot of things. I mean, look at what Penny Hardaway is doing with the players just from the city pretty much. And right now they're taking a lot of steps backwards. And it is very interesting to me, too, that you have an athletic director in Keith Carter who played basketball at Ole Miss, and this is acceptable to him for some reason. Yeah, it's puzzling because, too, it's not a sport, college basketball, that you can just give up on and just expect football and baseball to carry the the lead. And what I mean by that is March Madness is such a big event. I mean, you you got to want to be a part of that. You can't just miss that party. I mean, look at how much it helped um, as far as a marketability standpoint and just excitement around a school like St. Peter's last year in March Madness. I mean, why would you not want to be a part of that? And, and right now, you know, we've reached the point where the program's stale. And I feel like it's not only they're losing, but they just don't have the product that we used to enjoy, you know, under Andy Kennedy. They were more exciting to watch. And I, I can't pinpoint exactly what went wrong with Kermit Davis. I thought at the time, five years ago, it was a good hire with what he did at Middle Tennessee State. But 
unfortunately for both sides, it just has not worked out. And, and it looks like um, what's going to happen uh, should be inevitable. Yeah, it definitely. And, you know, the, the thing that, that's sad about it is, you know, you almost feel like they've waited too long for them to get a great coach. We'll have to see what's going to be available the next year. But it just gets harder and harder in the SEC. And unless they're really willing to put the money out there for it and to show a real initiative, then it's going to be tough for them. And I, I hope that they can make this move swiftly and go ahead and get themselves out there because you've seen so many programs lately just have great turnarounds in basketball from Auburn to Tennessee with, with Barnes to look at what Alabama's done with Nate Oates. Things have gotten really stale in the last couple of years with Anthony Grant. And then of course with, uh, uh, with uh, Avery, Avery Johnson too. And they were able to turn it around pretty quickly. So Ole Miss can do it. They just need to get the right person in there but right now they're falling behind a lot of other programs in the SEC who suddenly basketball is becoming a big deal right there, and they need to get on the boat for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you lose the fan base with that sport. and If you fall too far behind, it's hard to, to get them back. And you've got this great facility now, so, you know, that's no longer an excuse, you know, with the Tad Pad. Because lately I feel like when I turn on a game on TV, the Tad Pad was a better atmosphere than what I'm seeing right now with the pavilion, which is kind of inexplicable in itself. Yeah, it's crazy because pavilions like that was built the last years we were there. Really nice. You know, one of the best arenas in the SEC while the Tad Pad was just a, a dinosaur that was terrible. And that was where we always went to our games at. But yeah, there was a lot more atmosphere in the Tad Pad than what you're seeing in the pavilion right now. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, they'll get the, the right coach um, to come in there and just kind of energize uh, uh, the fan base. That's right. And it's definitely a possibility, but that needs to that needs to be moved on. Well, Joe, speaking of moving on, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, enjoyed having all of our listeners. Been a, been a good talk. Uh, looking forward to the Senior Bowl this weekend and uh, talking a little bit more about that next week in retrospect. And uh, as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.